We are continuing to speak on spiritual warfare, and uh, you know, always through so many, for so many years, spiritual warfare was this thing where you bind the devil, burn your furniture, and uh, once you've got nothing, you convince your neighbor to burn his. You know, it, it's just, it, you know, all those kind of things. You know, it's just like, it's actually so way off what God has planned for us. Now, um, I preached this on television, and then somebody said to me, but Bertie, do you, don't you believe, uh, do you believe then we can carry a broken cross or, uh, um, you know, around our neck and just pray over it, and then that will be okay? Now, um, I don't like a broken cross. That's why I will not carry one. I mean, I will not wear one, because it is, it, it's not a picture of Jesus. But if there's one in my house, say somebody puts one there, there will not be a curse on my house. You know, so um, I'm not going to have a picture of a demon against my wall because it's not beautiful. But should there be a picture of a demon against my wall, there will be no curse. The worst thing would be that I have to stare at it every day. I mean, that's it. But I'm going to be equally blessed. And, um, you know, we've, a, a people has been caught so into this thing of... You know, if, if somebody does something wrong or if a witch comes and he, puts a, he can put a curse on you and all those kind of things, um, you know, that the church got so caught up in spiritual warfare, binding the devil, and we, become, we became devil conscious, curse conscious, uh, and the curse cannot be there, obviously, if you have not done something wrong, and then we become works-orientated, and we judge ourselves by what we do, we start to judge other people by what, they do because we don't want a curse over our lives. Because if we just do one wrong thing, then there's a curse. Um, you know, it's like the Satanists. Uh, I spoke to, I've spoken to some Satanists or ex-Satanists. You know, for them to get a demon is not an easy thing. You would go to them and ask them, you know, how difficult is it to get a demon? Then they would say, it's, it's not everybody that can just get a demon. Uh, a, a demon is a difficult thing to get. You had to sacrifice animals and if you can have human blood involved, that's even better to get one demon. And then after years, some of the Satanists say they struggle for years to get a demon. But come to church, you get easily. I mean, if your great-grandfather sinned, you can have a demon. You don't even have to do anything. You know, so because it's so easy to get a devil, because we are so works-orientated. <laughs> yeah, you, the, the one Satanist uh, said, you know, he didn't realize it was so easy to get a devil in church. And that's exactly what, what, what happens. You know, we, we've got, we are so far off what God intended for us. And uh, I just felt to speak on spiritual warfare and how I see spiritual warfare from a grace perspective, which has actually got nothing to do with devils over the town or anything like that, but it's got everything to do with doctrine and what we believe in. So today, we're going to talk about the gates of hell. What is the gates of hell? I remember when I was in Bible school, when we felt very spiritual, we would say, we are going to bombard the gates of hell. <laughs> and then, I don't know what we then did, but we bombarded the gates of hell. And then we would like, bind the devil for the millionth time. You know, it's like, it's the funniest thing is, you know, you always first uh, uh, um, bind the devil, then you lose the Holy Spirit. Because you believe the devil is loose and the Holy Spirit is bound. You will not do something you don't believe. You know, so if you believe the Holy Spirit is bound, then you will lose him. 
and uh, if you believe the devil is loose, you will bind him. Um, so, let's go to Peter, and we're going to, uh, uh, sorry, not Peter, Matthew, we're going to talk about Peter and what he said to Jesus. Matthew 16, um, this is when Jesus said, who do you people say I am? You know, and, and then Peter came with a wonderful revelation, and this is what happened. It's from verse 15, he, sa- uh, he said unto them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So he comes and he says, Blessed are you, Peter, for you got a revelation from the Father. Okay, so he talks about this awesome revelation that Peter got. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now remember, I always thought that God said he's going to build the, the church on Peter. And many Catholics still believe that today. Um, he never said he's going to build the church on Peter. If he would have built the church on Peter, it would have been a disaster. Because Peter believed in Jesus when he was there. He said many wrong things. Peter didn't understand the gospel. Then at the out, uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, he preached. And then he, he was completely taken up into Judaism um, in, in, to a great extent. And then I believe through the influence of Paul, he started to understand a bit more of the true gospel. You know, so, and then Paul even rebuked Peter and said to him, Peter, you're playing the hypocrite. You know, you are telling Gentiles to live as Jews, but you live like a Gentile because you've just eaten with us, with the Gentiles, just before the Jews arrived. So you're a hypocrite. Why, why do you do this? You know, um, so uh, Peter didn't always understand all these things. But in his writings, we can see towards the end, he did understand a bit more. Um, So God didn't build the church on Peter. He was talking about the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And he said, upon this revelation that the Father gave you, I will build my church. And this is very important to understand, to know what the gates of hell is. So let me read it, verse 17 again. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, so yes, Peter, he got a wonderful revelation. Just after this revelation, or he got this wonderful revelation, Jesus said to him, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against this revelation. Okay, so there was a gateway unto hell. I mean, the gate of something is the path that you have to go through to enter into that thing. Uh, the, the word gate, there are many meanings for the word gate. Most of them, um, you know, talk about um, the, just a physical gate. But if you talk metaphorically, it talks about an access or an entrance into any state. That is what a Thiawood definition says. So it's an access or an entrance into any state. So, there was gates of hell. And the gates of hell were standing wide open, inviting people in. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
the Bible says. And there are many that follow after that way. When Jesus was on the earth, He said it. Because most of the people of that time was following the way unto destruction, entering through the gates or the gateway of hell. Now, if we talk about people, Jesus said, I am the way unto what? Unto life. Okay? So Jesus is the gateway unto life. What He came to do for us, when we believe it, we can enter into a state which we call born again. We can enter into a state of righteousness and peace by the Holy Spirit. A state of joy by the Holy Spirit because we have believed upon what Christ has done. So here He comes and He says, I give you a wonderful revelation, Peter. The gates of hell, that which opens death for people will not be able to stand against this. Now, what could this be? Remember, he was talking about doctrine here. There was a doctrine that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, when, when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7, you will, you, you will see he, he saw Jesus. When he, his, his face started to shine, it looked like the face of an angel. He saw the heavens opened. He saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he said these words. He didn't say to the people, and I see Jesus. He said, I see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. So what was he actually saying? He was saying mankind now is in equality with God. It's in the same level as God. Then the Bible says these Jews were so upset that they closed their ears, you know, a little stop, and then they took stones and killed him. Because you could never say that man is in the level of God. They said to Jesus, if you say you're the Son of God, you make yourself equal with God by calling yourself the Son of God. But here Peter comes, he says, I see you, a human being, this is the revelation I have, that you, a human being, are the Son of God, making a human being in the equality of God. Then Peter said, then Jesus said, on this revelation, if you can understand this, I will build my church. God does not build His church on the law of Moses. God does not build His church on human effort. He builds His church. The living building blocks that Peter talks about is, 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 is built upon the foundation of the revelation that a man is seated at the right hand of God. Bringing innocence to every person, bringing righteousness to every person. Whosoever believes in that truth, makes use of that truth, finds that he is being built into this kingdom. Now there are people that say everybody will be saved. I had a big thing on Facebook as well, you know, this week. I, th I think we had, was it three or four hundred comments? I don't know. It was a lot. The, the um, arguments about will the devil be saved and everybody's going to be saved anyway and the devil's going to be saved and all those kind of things. Now the Bible doesn't say, you know, um, when, when Jesus casted out the legion of demons... The demons were trembling, saying, Oh, Jesus, did you come to save us before our time? No, 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 no. He says, did you come to torment us before our time? Okay? Uh, the, the Bible says that the devils believe and they fear. 
They tremble. It doesn't say they believe and they rejoice because they're going to be saved. They're trembling because there's eternal condemnation for them in hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell is a place where there's eternal death. Now you might ask me, Bertie, what is hell exactly? Is there a physical fire burning? What's going on in hell? I don't know. I've never been to hell. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that you don't want to be in hell. Um, I can tell you it is separate, a separation from God. And I know what way is the way unto hell. Because Jesus Christ came, He gave a revelation, which is the revelation unto life. And He says, this, this other revelation, this other way unto death, the gates of hell will not stand up against us. Because this can be very small. I remember when I started to preach the grace message, I just felt, will the grace message ever take over the earth? Because I felt like I'm the only one, and I'm a student, um, you know, people didn't take me seriously, and we were only a very few, a handful of people in South Africa preaching the grace message. But the gates of hell could not stand against that message, because it's powered by God. Now, the Bible says, to get to what the gates of hell really is, the Bible clearly says that the word hell there actually means, in Afrikaans we get the word doode reik. I say, in die poorte van die doode reik sal nie stand hou teen hierdie openbaring nie. In other words, the gate unto death. Now that death talk, talking about, there's the very same word where it talks about rich man, the rich man and Lazarus, and when Lazarus died, he went to hell. He opened his eyes, hy sy oor in die doode reik oopgemaak, hy het in die hel oopgemaak, die doode reik. Okay, so when he opened his eyes there, and he was in hell, it was not a nice place. Okay, so what is the gateway unto death? That's actually, another word for hell is death. Not just physical death, because when, the, the, when, when Lazarus died, he opened his eyes in the bosom of Abraham. He didn't open his eyes in death. He opened his eyes in life, or, although he died. But he opened, so it's not talking just about physical death. It talks about a state after physical death. So what is the gateway unto death? Very simple. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will you enter into? Death. You'll die. <laughs> so how will you enter into death? What is the gate unto death? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the Bible says, And this ministration of death, this gateway unto death, was written on stones. Which is the law system. Okay, so, today we get people, uh, you know when Jacob was, uh, Jacob had a dream. And then when he had this dream, he saw the heavens open and the ladder and everything. And then he, he had a stone there and I think he built an altar or something yeah. there. And then he says, this is the gateway to heaven. You know, basically the gates of heaven is here. The opening to heaven is here. But it was not the place, it was him. Because if he slept in another place, it would have been the same thing. Because God was speaking to him. In the very same way, we get people today that carry the gateway of death and others that carry the gateway of life. Because Jesus came to the Pharisees, he said to the Pharisees, you travel over land and sea in Matthew 23 to make one disciple and then you make him twice as much a son of hell as what you are yourself. 
So hell is giving birth to people. Through what system? Birth cannot come, if we, if we think of a, a husband and a wife, they come together. Birth cannot come unless there is seed. Okay? So seed gives birth to a life. So there's a certain seed. In the beginning, Jesus, God said to, 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 uh, uh, to Adam and Eve, He said, I'll bring a difference between your seed and her seed. Spoke to, spoke to Satan. There'll be a difference between your seed and her seed. An enmity. So there was a seed that comes from God, and there was a seed that comes from the devil. The seed of God is called the Word of God. So what will be the seed of the devil? The seed of the devil will be the Word of the devil. When we believe in the Word of God, and we are born of the Word of God. When we believe in the Word of the devil, then the life that's formed in us is born from the devil's Word. Born from hell. I know these are radical things. But Jesus didn't come to play games. He came to save people. He came to save people. And he said to the Pharisees, he said, how will you ever escape the condemnation of hell? And they were sitting in Moses' seat, preaching the law to people. Loving money, living a very good life, but still breaking the law, and they could not qualify because of their inability. And now if we say, I am walking through the gateway of hell, or the, the, the way unto death, which is the law system, works righteousness mentality, my goodness, you can end up in a place you never want to be. Now, I do believe there's a sin unto death, and there's a sin that's not unto death. If you still believe in tithing, but you believe in Jesus, you're not going to go to hell. You'll just have hell when it comes to your money. Because you'll condemn everybody, you'll feel guilty all the time, you will always feel, I don't qualify, you will never have the true inner peace intended by God when it comes to your finances. Okay? If you believe, listen man, if I've got a, a Pokemon, you know, I remember those old years ago, they got those Pokemons. My kinder now a Pokemon in the pocket and now it's somewhere in the house, I don't know where, and now there's a curse on the house. If you believe that, listen, you can still be, if you believe that, but you also believe that he, the moment that you believe that Jesus is your Savior and you'll be saved because of what He's done, you will have eternal life. You will live, but you will have hell in the house. It can even go further. You can maybe say, well, you know, I'm into tithing. You know, the Jewish way is tithing and, and we did the tithe. And then you can study the Jewish way further. And you can start to wear these things, you know. And after a while you find people starting to, uh, bra is it braid? Dreadlocks. Yeah, <clears throat> they've got the dreadlocks, you know, here. And after a while they've got the blue little things here. And after a while, you get circumcised. <laughs> and then the Bible says Christ shall profit you nothing so while he was maybe wearing that thing or whatever he would be saved if he should have died then or if Jesus would have returned because his belief was still in Jesus but when he was circumcised he believed his belief for salvation was in his flesh and he cannot be saved then so what's happening is and what I find in church is 
people believe in Jesus, but they are playing in the gates of hell. They believe in Jesus, but their fellowship, their friends, is in the gates of hell. Don't play there. If you, know, if you see a hole in the ground, and you see a snake going in there, you don't play there. The thing's going to bite you. In the very same way, the gateway unto hell, the gateway unto death, is the message of works righteousness. If you want to go to hell, pursue works righteousness. You'll end up there. And for those of you that don't believe that there is a hell, uh, uh, watching on the web, I do believe, me and God, we believe in the hell. So if I agree with you, I'm going to be wrong. There is a hell. It, Jesus is, is clear on it. And He wants to save people from it. And, and hell is not a place where God just sends people because He's angry. Hell is a place where people enter into it. It's like, uh, um, I say to you, um, I say there's some poison here. And I tell you, don't drink this poison. This thing is going to kill you. Oh, come on, give me a, a, a practical example. Uh, something like peaches. I tell you, listen, these peaches, they are green. You tell the kids, you don't eat these peaches green like this. Your stomach is going to ache you. And they eat it. Now the stomach aches. Did I give them stomach pain? I never did. I never did. It is the peaches that does it. In the very same way when it comes to hell. God does not just kick people into hell. No, no, no. It is, that is the state of a person that does not believe in grace. And then when you die, you will go into that state for eternity. The, it's, it's like today, you know, when we believe in Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we believe in uh, uh, immortality, when in Christ's return, we believe that He's taken away all our sins, we, ta- we believe He's taken away every curse from us, but we find that we still struggle sometimes with our health, we find that we still struggle sometimes with our finances and whatever, but we've got peace and joy in this world, and we also see victory in our finances, victory in our, in our health, and all those kind of things as well. But we don't see the, the, the utmost of it manifesting now. In the same way with hell. When you believe in the message of condemnation and judgment, you'll find you'll become very critical. You'll find you'll be condemning. You'll find emotions like depression taking over your life. And all those kind of things. Very bad things happening to you in this life. It's like my dad always said. I say, it's hell on earth. But that hell you experience is still in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because He's still here. But there'll be a place where He will be removed from. Okay? And the gateway unto that is works righteousness. That is the gates of hell. He said to Peter, Peter, I've given you a wonderful revelation, for the Father's given you a wonderful revelation. But this gates of hell is not stronger than this message. So, he was actually encouraging Peter. Because imagine, you must come now like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had the guts to do it. The empowerment by the Holy Spirit. He could stand up and say, If you are circumcised, if you circumcise your children, Christ will profit you nothing. Paul was so radical that the believing church in Jerusalem wanted to kill him. 
because they were still zealous of the law. So they were believers, plus they were zealous of the law. So he was preaching straightforward. Peter struggled a bit to do that. But I think in that time, it must have been very difficult to stand up and say, well, here am I, we are 12 people. One guy came, he said that he's the Messiah. He died. He never did the things we thought he was going to do. And now we're gone. And then he rose again. 500 people saw him. He's gone into heaven. We don't know when he's coming back. And now we're going to preach this where the gates of hell are standing wide open, a big uh, temple there with everybody uh, into Judaism and whatever. And now we must start our little message here. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a little leaven put into a lump. But it leavens the whole thing. Amen. So in the same way, this little gospel is so powerful, it will go through all the earth. It is God's truth. Amen. Amen. We don't want hell in our health. We don't want hell in our finances. We don't want hell in our relationships. So we don't base those things on a works righteousness way of thinking. We don't want hell in church. So we're not preaching that system. We are preaching the message of God's unconditional love. If you can just take the word hell out of your mind and use the word death, it will help you a lot. The way unto death cannot stand against the way unto life. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Let's just look a little bit into this. Um, Let's look at this verse again, talking about the Pharisees. Um, It says in verse 54, Acts 7, 54, this is what the stoning of Stephen. It says, when they heard these things, because... Stephen, uh, um, I'm so, it's a pity I didn't copy that in. But Stephen said to them, you always resist the Holy Spirit. He said to to the Pharisees, he said, you guys always resist the Holy Spirit. They were resisting grace. They were resisting the unconditional love of God. So is it possible for a person to resist grace? Yes. Stephen in the New Testament after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit said to the Pharisees, he said, you always, your fathers did it, you are doing it, you always resist the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts us of sin because we have not believed in Him. You always resist the message of believing in Jesus, of righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. You always resist the message of telling you you are made righteous by the blood of Jesus and not your works. What is it? And judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit convicts you of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. The law system has been judged, not as the way unto God, not as the truth. When God came and He brought judgment to the earth, He brought a decision, He made a decision on behalf of man. And this was the decision that He made. He said, never again will man have to walk by the law as a must to be saved. Because under the old, what Adam did was, He said, the law is the way unto salvation. And Jesus came and took that power away and said, that is not the only way. I am the way. That is the way that leads to destruction. But now there is a way unto life. I am the way. 
under the old, the way that seemed to be unto life was unto death. Doesn't, isn't that what the, uh, what the Old Testament says? It says, there is a way that seems unto life, but the end is death. There is a way that seems unto salvation, but the end is hell. Separation from life, which is works righteousness. Now, I don't want you to be scared or anybody watching, by the way, being scared. Oh, am I in a law somewhere in my life? Because that's not going to take you to hell. Amen. The Bible clearly says, and Peter said it, uh, 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 um, uh, Paul said, he says, I want to come and I want to perfect your faith. In other words, I want to help you to grow in faith, to understand more in faith. I want to see grace multiply in your life. Where you had grace in this area of your life, I can see it grows to that area, to that area, to, to every area of your life. From where you say, I'm saved by grace, going to heaven by grace. You can say, I received my finances by grace, the relationship is by grace, uh, the way I think about myself is grace, my emotions, every part of my life is flooded with the influence of God. So, God... If there's an area where there's not the influence of God, what the Holy Spirit will do is He will convict you of believing the truth in that area of your life. So we don't live by fear. We don't have fear of death anymore. Not at all. All that I'm talking about is our spiritual war. And the strategy that Satan used, the strategy that Satan used with Adam and Eve was this. Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you'll be like God. And what did it do? It killed them. So what was the way unto death for Adam and Eve? It was to believe that what they can do is who they are. Satan came with a way unto death to Jesus. He said, take the stone, make it a bread. So what was the gate of hell for Jesus? To take a stone and make it a bread. That was the gate of hell. The opening of death for Jesus was to do a miracle. Because it was much more than the miracle. It was what Jesus would have believed in order to do the miracle. He, would have, he, he should have said, I'm not the Son of God because God says so. I'm the Son of God because of my ability to do a miracle. And that belief is what was the gateway into death for Jesus. My goodness. And that, you know, to, to me, this is the way I believe, I don't fool around... With works righteousness. You don't fool around with that message. It will destroy our lives. Now talk about this. I'll much rather just talk about something else. It's about the love of God or anything like that. But I see so many people being caught in this trap that I have to talk about this. So our spiritual war is to cast down every imagination and every thought that rises up against the knowledge of God. God's knowledge about us is that He took away our sins and we stand innocent before God. So what does Satan come and do? Satan comes and tells you, no, 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 you need to change these four areas in your life and if you can change these four areas or if this financial breakthrough can come through for you or if this healing can happen, then you are the blessed of God. Then you start to, it's like a web. You start to, you start to fall into that thing. And after a while, everything is down to what you must do. It's down to the point that a Pokemon can have a demon. There's not so many demons. 
Do you know how many of those Pokemons they printed? There's not so many devils, man. And there's twice as much angels anyway. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere. So you need to, when you look into the Spirit, at least you need to see the Holy Spirit and some angels before you see a demon. And it's like when I, when I go to uh, uh, Western Zambia. If I only see white people, I'm blind. There's no white people there. I'm the only white dude. That's the way it is. And when I was in Germany, I didn't see blacks. And then when you, and then every now and then you'll see one here or one there. When you're in Zambia, you see one white guy here, one white guy there. Because there's more of the one than the other one. So if there's more angels and more of the Holy Spirit, why do we see the devil all the time? If blessing supersedes curse, why do we see the curse in everything? We are the blessed. Who can curse what God has blessed? Nobody can. And I want to tell you this, that the end of believing in this message of God's unconditional love, where you stand innocent before Him, is eternal, immortal life in the return of Christ. Hallelujah. When this planet will come into its full glory, when our bodies shall be saved from the, dis- the death that's still abiding in our human flesh, we see signs and wonders of what's going to happen in our body today. But we will see immortality manifesting in us. And that is the hope of a Christian. You know, I want to just say this for those of you who watch by the web. The Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It does not say Christ in all mankind, the hope of glory for all of mankind. That's not what it says. We are preaching the gospel so that the person can receive Christ. Christ talks about the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the anointed one, to receive Him. Once you've received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation. What is your salvation? Immortal immortal life. The hope that Christians had, the early church, their hope was not ever to die. That was their hope. They believed Jesus is going to come back and nobody's going to die. But the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead had to be inside the person so that he could be raised into immortal life. And then you can't say everybody has the Holy Spirit. It's not true. Because when the Holy Spirit was poured out, you will see in the book of Acts, Peter preached and then the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. Later, the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. So, all people did not receive the Holy Spirit. The people that believed and then they received the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. What shall we do to be saved? Believe and be baptized. Okay, so we, they believed. The believing is the whole thing. We, you, they believed, they received the Holy Spirit. Then they had the hope of having an immortal life because the Holy Spirit indwells them. That's, the, that's Christ, the hope of glory. Amen. And when will it happen? I know, when, I know when you'll be immortal. The Bible says when. When Jesus comes. That's when you will be immortal. Have you believed? You will raise up into eternal life or eternal death. We are now in the... We are living in what we call the temporal. This is not eternal, what we are in. This is a temporal state. But 
the way you enter into eternity is how it will be forever. So when you enter into eternity with the Holy Spirit in you, you will have the Holy Spirit in you for eternity because you've entered into eternity, a state of eternal life or eternal death if you enter into it into, with death inside you. It will be eternal in that state. That's, that's what the scripture teaches. So, for us, as, as, as believers, our war, and this is what I want to say, you know, in the, in, in the old days what they did was, they would sit in the gates of the city, and they will discuss doctrine. And they will, the wise men, you know, and the disputers, they will sit in the gates of the city. And that was the place where everybody fellowship. We can't be believers. So there's a city of life and there's a city of death. You can't sit, be a citizen of the city of life and fellowship in the gates of death. You can't do that. And the gates of death, the gates of hell is the way unto death. It's very clear. I've said it three times. The way unto death is written on stones. That which ministers death was written on stones. The way unto death in the Old Testament was what? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What is the end of works righteousness? It's denial of Christ. I have not seen many people do it, but I have seen some. I've seen people that's been good Christians, friends of Eliana and I, and then they start to become more Jewish, you know. Not that I hate the Jew, but they became a bit more Jewish. And then I said to the brother, I am very concerned about you. You know, I'm very concerned about you, because it was the tossels and everything, you know. Then he, he said, no, 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 I only do this in remembrance of what Christ has done for me. That's what he said. He said, the blue means royalty. So I hang this around me knowing I'm royal. I'm royal. Because all those old things was a sign unto something. You know? But Paul called all those old things dung. He calls it wonderful remembrance of the work of Christ. Okay? So they, they, he mixed the things up. carried, And then, I think last year, we heard... They've completely denied Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe you need Him to be saved. Nothing. It was like most Jews believe He was just a, a troublemaker. You know, we've got the Torah by which we are saved. So what was the gate unto hell there? It started with a, with a little thought. And then it leads you further and further and further. Now, can he be saved again, that person? Yes, if he can acknowledge Jesus. But how difficult will it be for him to acknowledge Jesus? For he would say, I've already believed in Jesus. So why will I go back to something I've already done? I've now advanced to where I'm now. Why will I go back? It can be that he can believe again. Paul said that he fell under the law and then he, he believed in Jesus again. You know, but he just became lawful in a certain way. Just started to do the Ten Commandments. So, I want you to know, and this is this is basically the message: the gates of hell into any area of your life is a works righteousness mentality between you and God. 
Because from that perspective, you will feel disqualified. Because if you feel disqualified, you will want to use substance abuse, things of this world, to fill the void. And it's a uh, this, this, this complete evil circle. Satan has got, in spiritual warfare, this is what Paul said. He says, we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. Go and study the word device there. The de word device doesn't mean uh, 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 shifting spanner and armor and whatever. That's not what it means. Device there means thought or doctrine. That's what it means. A way of thinking. We're not ignorant of how Satan thinks. He says, forgive one another. For we are not ignorant of how Satan thinks. If you continue to walk with somebody's works in your mind, you'll become works orientated, works orientated, works orientated. To the point where you start to take those own laws unto yourself and everybody around you, and it is death in that house. You've all heard the story of the guy that was married, and uh, he had a list of things that, he, that his wife had to do. But she could never do the list. And eventually the, they got divorced or the guy died or something. And then she got married to another guy. And this guy just loved her. Had no list. And then five years later she found the list of the previous guy in the, in the drawer. And she found that, man, I'm doing all the things on the list now. You know, but this guy never told me. He just loved me. But what did that list do? It brought death to that marriage. It brought all kinds of evil, all kinds of temper problems, all kinds of hatred, all kinds of bitterness. It was like hell. Now that intensified to an unknown power is what it will be for eternity. And we can see it clearly and we can end off here quickly with the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus said in Luke 16, He says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they um, derided him, and said unto them, and he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an ab abomination in the sight of God. So what was highly esteemed by the Pharisees? Riches. Why riches? Because Deuteronomy 28 said, if you are prosperous financially, it means God's blessed you and that you'll be saved. That's basically what it says. You have obeyed the law. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you obey all my commandments, then these blessings shall come upon you. You shall be blessed in the field, blessed in the city, your children will be blessed, everything will be blessed, and most of those blessings are financial. So these people were really chasing after having a lot of money. Because then everybody could see, I'm the chosen of God. I'm obedient to the law. Like the rich young ruler. He was rich, he was young, meaning, I mean that's what everybody, he was obeying the law. To the point that riches was manifesting in his life. So these people were really seeking after it. A, a, a good way today, to, to explain it in today's life in the charismatic church is miracles. We're not so much chasing after money, but we're chasing after miracles. Because if you have a miracle, it means you've got the Holy Spirit, and you're very close to God, and everybody knows for sure you'll be saved. That's how they felt about money. Then, Jesus said, the things which is esteemed great by people, 
is not is an abomination before God. I want to say it further, and please don't get a fit. But <laughs> in the sight of miracles, we've seen miracles here. People getting jobs, people being healed. Pray for people very sick in the week. Like overseas, they call back. Miracles has happened. I believe in doing miracles. I believe in seeing miracles. Not against it. We for it. But to be esteemed high in the eyes of men because you've got this major healing ministry because you do all the miracles. Now you're the closer one to God so that everybody can fly to your place. is an abomination to God. Because it is the abuse of the power of God to, to use the power of God unto a lost system. Okay? I don't have time to go deeper into that, but, but that is, I, I, believe, I believe you can hear what I'm saying. And the Pharisees who were covetous heard these things, and they hated him. And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. So you come by the law, you live right, you do everything right before people, but God knows that you cannot obey the law. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. To obey the law to a Jew was highly esteemed. To be righteous by the law, to be, to be a, a person of God by the law, to seek salvation by the law was highly esteemed by these Jews. But to God was an abomination. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is, is, is preached and every man presses into it. And it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. Now let me explain to you what he said here. He said, you guys, you, are, you love money so much. You look so good. You are so full of yourself. You do everything right. Okay, but you, you've twisted the law in such a way that you can get divorced and get married. But let me tell you something. I want to tell you, you're committing adultery. So, in the eyes of people, you look very good. But actually, you are rotten inside. And that's what the law does. The law system is, you do good, but the end of it, the end of the equation is also always, you don't qualify. I've prayed three times a week. You know, I've, I've fasted, I've done this, I've won the lost. You do everything, but then you lose your temper. Okay, you are, you don't qualify. You look lustfully at somebody of the opposite sex. You, you, you uh, I mean, you, you don't qualify. You're a, you're a sinner. So he comes and he says, listen man, if you want to live by the law, you'll always be guilty. You'll always be guilty. And then he continues with a, with, a, with a parable or a story. He says, now he speaks to the rich, he speaks to them. He says, there was a certain rich man which had clothes in purple and fine linen and fair, and, and he looked very good every day, lived a good life. Was 20. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gates full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Okay. Here's a man, he's obeying the law. He's living everything right. Okay, to a certain degree. He tries his best. He's blessed financially. Loves the money, the whole thing. You know, he's, he's the guy with a big ministry getting everything right. But they've put somebody, they've put a beggar at his gate. A beggar. Now what was a beggar in the eyes of a Jew? Cursed. 
cursed. The curse of God is on him, they believed. Because he sinned. It's like Job. Why are you going through these hard times? No, because you've sinned against God. But that was not even the issue. The blind man, Jesus heals a blind man, man born blind. They say, was it his sin or his parents' sin that made him blind? So they always sin conscious. Sickness was connected with the breaking of the law. All the time. Here is a beggar at the gate of the rich. The rich, by the eyes of the people, he's the holy one. The beggar is the sinner. All the beggar wanted was the crumbs, the crumbs that falls from the master's table. It's all he wanted. Okay. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich also died, and he was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. What does that mean? Where does, where does Lazarus open his eyes? In the bosom of Abraham. Who was Abraham? He's the father of faith. Talks about believing in Jesus. He opened his eyes when he died. He died as a believer in Jesus. The Pharisee died not as a believer in, or, or the, the rich man didn't die as a believer in Jesus. He died as a believer in the law. And he opened his eyes in death. And the believer opened his eyes in life. And then listen to what he said. He says, let Abraham take water. What does water speak of? The word, the water of the word. Let my doctrine change. I want to have something else on my tongue. Please put the correct doctrine on my tongue here in hell. He says, no. There's a gulf between us. It cannot be done. What was on my tongue? What was burning? His tongue. Have you read James 3 verse 6? He says, it talks about people with a tongue they bless God, but with the same tongue they curse people. Who are they talking about? talks about the people that fell back into Judaism. That was, oh God, you're wonderful. You've given us everything. Oh, you're a dog. Because you're a Gentile. What are they talking about? talks about the doctrine of those who went back to the law. And then he says, with that tongue you bless God and you curse man which is made in the equality of God. Talking about the Gentiles. He says that tongue is set on, set on fire with the fire of hell. And here was the Pharisee, tongue burning with the fire of hell because he was believing the hell message. The gateway unto his death was works righteousness. The gateway unto life is belief in Jesus. I don't care if you're a beggar in the eyes of this world. I don't care if you're nothing. If the dogs lick your sores. For a Jew, for a dog to lick somebody's sore, a dog was an unholy thing. 
If an unholy thing is touching you, then you are already unclean. And you had to go through ceremonial cleansing to be accepted again into the community. This guy was poor. He was a beggar. He had nobody helping him. He was lying. At, couldn't help himself. He was right there at, on the floor with dogs licking him. You cannot find more cursed than that. By the law, completely disqualified. But he was not standing in the gates of hell. He was standing in the gate of life. Because he was found in the bosom of Abraham. Bosom speaks heart. The heart of Abraham. What was Abraham's heart? To believe God. So what do we do? We believe God. We believe that our sins has been taken away. We believe that we stand innocent before Him. We believe that He saves us. And we don't partake in what kills us. Amen. I want to, I want to say this, people watching by, by the internet. Are we preachers of the gates of hell? Are we actually the gate of hell in our community? Or are we the gate of heaven? That's the question. Are we opening up heaven to people? What is heaven? Innocence. Righteousness. Joy. Free from your works. Free from your contribution. It's a matter of taking. It's a matter of belief. Amen. And I want to say this to you here, people watching by the web. If you, if something is offered for free, we need to take it, make use of it. You know, an offense is taken. Let's talk it, let's use the negative. Somebody comes and says something wrong. Now you get offended or you take offense. In other words, you interpret in a certain way and then apply it to yourself. That is how you take an offense. You interpret the thing and then you say what is actually saying, what that means is... And then you get offended. In this, that's the same way. That's how we receive grace. We look at the argument that Jesus has, and then we come to the conclusion where we apply it to ourselves, and we take life. We don't take offense, we take eternal life. And say, that means, I am saved. I am qualified. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, The weapons of our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. And then the semicolon explaining a stronghold. Casting down imaginations. So what is a stronghold? It's something you are imagining. It's an imagination. It is a wrong belief. I can tell you now, if I want, a lot of us, we've got kids, our kids are at home, you know, some of them are married, they've got their own children. If I must come right now and I tell you, your grandchild has just died, and you believe me, that belief will form your life. It will bring anxiety, it will bring fear, it will bring whatever decision you make will be born from that belief. That's how we are. We're the God kind. We live by faith. 
So when we see the truth and we believe, when that truth comes, belief rises in our heart, but then we don't resist it. We yield to it. We, we, come to, we, we, not, we don't take offense, we take eternal life. We make it applicable to us. We yield to that truth. Wow, what a glorious life. Then that truth manifests in us. So as Christians, this is the conclusion of my message. We are not going to be a gate of hell for anybody. And we're not sitting like Psalm 1 says. I say, What does it say in the English? I can't... Uh, Council of the ungodly. Don't sit in the council of the ungodly. Yeah, Psalm 1. Don't sit in the council of the ungodly. So what is the ungodly? It's those that say we are not godly, we need to do to become godly. But we sit in the council of the godly, which says we are like God. We don't want to have dirty minds. A dirty mind is a sin-conscious mind, it's a devil-conscious mind, it's a curse-conscious mind. A spiritual war is simply to stand in what He freely gave us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank You that You're a good God. I want to thank You, Lord, that we can know uh, how serious this is. And thank You, my Father. We're not afraid. But we just know that what You've come to do is to give us life. And we also know that there are people that are not in life that need the Gospel like Paul said knowing the terror of the Lord we persuade men and thank you Lord that we can know that there are people living a, a, a hell of a life today living in destruction struggling God and you have empowered us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the power to bring persuasion to them to preach their innocence to preach how you love them and how you care for them for you hate no man Father, you don't have bitterness towards any person. You love everyone. Everyone stands innocent before you. But they are walking into death. And thank you, Lord, that we can do what we can do by your power. And we know you work in many people. That we can share the gospel of grace. That people can be saved. Thank you, my God, that everyone here is a gateway. It is, it's, it's a carrier of life. It's a carrier of the way unto heaven, a way unto immortality. And thank you, my God, that our mouths will never be a mouth of a gateway, a pathway unto death, which is a works righteousness mentality, that which Satan used. Thank you, Lord, that we will, not, we will always be empowered by your Spirit as we yield to your message of grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I want to just say this. You know, um, we've, in, in the past we've been so disqualified that whenever we talk about hell or anything like that, then, then people are afraid, you know. We don't have to be afraid. We're not afraid. You know, we are saved. We are saved. But we are just seeing. You know, Satan was so clever because he was hiding I mean, it was like an angel of light, but it was not the angel of light. And uh, we were thinking, and that's why the Bible says some people, they will come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, have we done, not done miracles in your name? You know, and then Jesus will say, go away, I don't know you. Who are you? 
Then he says, you worker of iniquity. What is iniquity? The Bible says iniquity was found in Satan. So he was actually, those people were workers of that system which brought death. And they didn't know what they were busy with. But thank God it's been revealed to us what this really is. You know, so uh, we are preachers of righteousness. Miracles, signs, wonders, we don't, we, we don't use that to define who we are. It is just a sign of what Christ has come to do for us. We pray for people, we see the supernatural, we've got a Father that loves us, but the fact that God loves us, the fact that God gives things to us does not define us. The fact that I've got a house, the, f- the fact that I've got a, a beautiful wife, healthy children and everything does not mean you know, that, that I can't say because I've got these things, I'm the, loved of God, God, the beloved of God. No, no, no. He loves me first. And He loves me because He made me like Him. And who I am is, is who He is. I don't define myself in my things and all that. Because that's the start way. I don't say if you believe that you, you are now in hell. It's just a way where your thoughts will be guided into death. God bless you guys. If anybody needs prayer, I'll be here.